stand your ground. Hi, I'm Becca Clegg, and this is the Inner Alchemy Podcast. Join me in conversations with some of my favorite healers and helpers as we explore all the ways we can restore balance within ourselves. The world heals one person at a time, and the healing starts now. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inner Alchemy Podcast. I am excited because today I'm going to be talking with Megan Thomas all about somatic skills for regulating the nervous system, which is, of course, one of my favorite things to talk about. Megan Thomas is, uh, whose pronouns are she, her, hers. She's a licensed professional counselor in Middle Tennessee. So Megan is a somatic practitioner with training in both somatic experiencing and somatic attachment theory. Megan believes deeply that mind-body connection, community, and affirmation promote healing. She loves sharing nervous system regulation skills in individual therapy sessions, somatic workshops, and via social media. Y'all, Megan's social media is amazing. She does so many cool videos where she shows people, I mean, real practical ways to use the body to regulate the nervous system. And that's why I'm so excited to be having this conversation with Megan today. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad to have you on the episode today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about the different somatic regulation skills that you teach. I just love your videos. And, you know, there's so many and there's such a wide array of skills. What are some of the ones that you've enjoyed the most or that you most recommend with your clients? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think the use of bilateral stimulation has been a big one that I enjoy and it seems like followers really enjoy as well. Yeah. So connecting that right side to left side of body. Tell the you okay, so this is actually I love that you brought this up because I don't think maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think the average person in the population might even understand what's bilateral stimulation. So can you talk a little bit more about what that is and why it's helpful? Sure. So connecting left and right brain through bilateral stimulation. So you can do this through movement. So for instance, taking your right arm to your left knee and then your left hand to your right knee. Um, Or you can do it with sound. There's some really cool, um, bilateral beat sounds that go from one ear to another. Um, And so this helps us process trauma. um, And it also just helps regulate the nervous system, um, that bilateral stimulation. Nice. And so you're literally just connecting the right side with the left side, essentially. Yeah. 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 And can you tell the the listener just a little bit more about how that's helpful or why that's like, sounds like it's something we should all be doing really. Totally. And we see babies doing this, right. When they learn to crawl. So this isn't something that we don't naturally do. Mm -hmm. Um, We are always naturally (laughs) doing this. Um, And so it's, it's really this like, intuitive practice that we have. Mm -hmm. And as we talk more, that will probably be a theme. Um, But it's this intuitive practice of connecting right and left body because 
that's how our bodies were created to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I imagine it helps you find your midline as well. Like that sort of feeling of being centered. I know when I did some somatic training, there's so much talk about the midline. And at first I thought, well, what is this midline? I'd never even heard of a midline per se, but the idea of it's like the center of where we are, of who we are um, in living in these bodies. Um, And I love the fact that you bring up the babies do it because I love, and I love that you said it would be a theme because I swear that I am, always taken by, oh my gosh, little kids know how to do whatever I'm learning, right? Whatever I'm paying thousands of dollars to learn again at 46 years old. I'm like, but kids do that naturally, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And those are my other favorite regulation skills, right? Like when I became a mom, I was packing this diaper bag of snacks, making sure I had all the diapers, right? Um, And what if we treated ourselves like that? What if we were planning, oh, I'm going to need a snack break. Oh, I'm going to need bathroom breaks. And just coming back to that, like, I am a biological animal and I have needs uh, because in our society, we're often taught to shun those needs. Absolutely. Um, and I love that you bring up that I am an animal. I, I will say that to clients all the time. I will say, your body is an animal. And it is like every other mammal walking the planet in terms of instinct. And I often make parallels. Um, I know sometimes they probably think I'm out of my mind, but I'll like <laughs> draw parallels between them and their dog or, you know, but trying to help them understand that like, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, truly, when we're talking about the instinct held within the body, right? Um, and how we understand it when we're looking at the, the world of mammals. But then for some reason, as humans with these frontal lobes, we think that we're impervious and we're not. <laughs> and I do love that self-care of how, yeah, we do it for a baby. But what is it? Like, why can't we do it for ourselves? Yeah. And even things like crying and screaming, we expect that behavior from babies. And then when it comes to kids, teens, adults, we're like, what the heck is wrong with them? What what if that's normal? Exactly. I I mean, exactly. I wish we could like shout this from the, the, I don't know, no really mountaintops and where I live, but like from the rooftops, because I just had a client earlier today, they're going to be having surgery tomorrow. And the comment was, I'm a mess when I come up from anesthesia. I, I think I'll probably be crying a lot. That's what I, I have seen in the past. And I said, well, what if that's okay? And they said, oh, well, you know, um, it's not, you know, it's not ideal. And I said, but let's just sit here for a second. Like, what if that is ideal? I mean, your body's going through a lot. It's going to be cut. It's going to be, you know, and it was just sort of this like, wow, you know, let's take it back to basics. But I love that point. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Exactly. It's, it's funny to me. Oh, it's not funny, but how um, we are really doing so much in therapy unlearning, aren't we? Always. <laughs> Always. Yeah. So as you're working with clients and working as a somatic therapist, what do you find your clients gravitating towards most often? Is there, if someone's listening and they're thinking, I really like the idea of using my body to help me heal. Is there a place you might suggest they start or is there something you've seen your clients find the most 
ground with when they've initially start? Yeah. And it's typically something they are already doing. Okay. Um, so that's what I would say to the listener. Like, what is it that you all, you are already doing in times of stress? Um, because you're doing something and if we can bring attention and intention to it, mm. we can replicate that numerous times or find that, oh, I typically do this. And actually there's this part of me that really wants to do this. Um, and so for example, someone might say, oh, you know, I used to walk a lot, but now I work so much. I, I can't walk, but I, you know, when my mother died, I found myself walking a lot again. And as a therapist at all of the green flags there, tell me more about walking. <laughs> yes. Yes. So something maybe, maybe they could even look into their, their past um, to see what they used to enjoy doing in their body. Exactly. Exactly. And it might be something, you know, stillness is, can be a regulation skill as well. Mm. So if I notice, you know, someone seems like they have more resource or they, they seem like they are not as stressed um, when both of their feet are flat on the floor. Mm -hmm. It's like, did you know this is how you've been sitting and you seem pretty calm? It, it seems like that might be a regulating resource for you. What, what do you think about that? Nice. I love that idea that stillness can be a resource too. I know in our doing culture, and even I fall prey to this a lot, you know, it's like the thought of, well, what do I do? And it's like, oh, well, maybe it's not about doing as much as it's about being still. Totally. Yeah. 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 So I, I love, like, as I said earlier, when uh, I introduced you, you've got a ton, like a library of, of videos, resources. Y'all go check out her Instagram and you're on TikTok, right? That's right. Yes. TikTok. Um, because your videos are fantastic in helping show people not only how simple these, these movements or this movement in your body can be, but how varied it can be with all the videos you've made and all the people that have kind of come into contact with you through that video, uh, format. Has there ever been like a particular video or a particular skill that's really sparked like a significant conversation or a lot of interest? Yeah. So one of my videos that created some conversation was a video in which I said I might pause a client who um, is getting to their trauma story really quickly in the first session. Mm. And, you know, in a TikTok video, there's only 15 seconds and <laughs> there's not a ton of nuance. <laughs> I know. Not, a, not, not any. <laughs> um, and so some people were very upset. And, you know, I, I got a lot of comments saying, well, of course you want to slow it down and not get them to go to their trauma because you want more money. Oh, and no. yeah, I really had to sit with it because I was mm -hmm. like, is that is that what I'm saying? And then I, you know, after I, I sat with it for a while, I was like, well, no, I really just want to keep people within their window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. um, and when I first meet someone, I'm still navigating what that window of tolerance is. Mm -hmm. And so the slower, the better. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so that that was one <laughs> one video that got some conversation moving. And when I was able to explain that window of tolerance to folks, most people were able to say, oh, okay, that does make sense. Absolutely. Um, but you bring up a really interesting, probably side topic for a, a totally different podcast episode, but um, <laughs> about how the use of these formats, whether it be TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, perhaps less so because you have more length, but, but even there, there's only so much that we as the therapist or the uh, practitioner can convey. It's not the same as being in relationship the way we do when we're working with clients um, and how important having conversations around any of this. And this would apply to this podcast, you know, um, if, if you were to hear something that kind of, you know, hits you sideways or you didn't quite understand how important it is to not jump to conclusions, but rather to have conversation and or explore more because um, we are talking about things that are, you know, relatively universal like bodies and um, trauma, sadly, but on the same token, you know, just because it's universal doesn't mean it couldn't really hit you in a way that is profoundly triggering. Um, yeah. And just so the nuances yeah. of using any kind of public forum to talk about this, it's important. Um, that's right. It, that's, yeah. that is, you know, when you're thinking about um, doing like, it's kind of leads into the next question, certain somatic skills being complex or difficult. Do you think there's any misconceptions around that? And, or are there certain skills that you may not suggest someone doing without the help of a professional? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think that, you know, like I said, we have these regulation skills available to us that we've already used before. And those are the ones that I typically jump on and, and get really excited about for folks. Yeah. And then there's these things. It's like bilateral stimulation. What the heck is that? Yeah. <laughs> or, oh my gosh, you will never catch me humming like that's embarrassing mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. for sure and, and so i think you know as we build our window of tolerance to be in some discomfort we're usually more open to try new things um and so as someone's window of tolerance is growing i'm like hey do you want to try this maybe quote-unquote weird yeah i know right um, and then folks are more apt to be like, okay, we'll try it. I know you're weird, but we'll, we'll give it a go. I know. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah. It takes time to remember what was so natural at, when we were little, I think, um, probably because of cultural conditioning. Um, it's hard to say everybody's got their unique story, but I recall that when I first came into somatic work, I mean, this was, I don't know, maybe about. 11, 12 years ago, um, one of the ways that I found my way into it was on a retreat where we were dancing in the mornings. And um, I remember my intellectual brain was just so stunned because I thought it was a professional retreat. And I thought, I, I can't dance with these women. Like, these are my colleagues. I can't like just <laughs> dance. Um, and by the end of the retreat, it was the part that I loved the most. And what was interesting is I remember when I was a child, 
that would be what I would do almost all the time. I would throw my mother's Barry Manilow record on and dance for hours. And somewhere between age four and age, whatever I was, 34, I learned that that wasn't okay. You know, but you're, um, you know, so I'm just saying that so the listener can hear like, your heart may yearn for something your mind may tell you you can't do or you shouldn't do because it looks dumb or whatever, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was talking to my sister the other day and um, I have two older sisters. So it's my oldest Mm -hmm. sister. And she was reminiscing of when I was a kid and I would dance in front of the TV, the TV off, just the black screen so I could see my reflection, of course. That's awesome. (laughs) And she was like, that's basically what your TikToks are now, huh? (laughs) That is the most awesome thing. How creative. You were seeing yourself on television dancing and here you are. I freaking love that. (laughs) I know. And as she was saying that, I was like, oh, yeah, you you are right. Maybe yeah. this is all for my inner child. <laughs> and if that is the case, then let it. I mean, what's more healing than that, right? I mean, exactly. a, a, another conversation for another day. Listen, I probably should have asked you this at the beginning, but I've never do things in order. Um, what drew you to wanting to be a somatic therapist? How did you find your way into all of this? Yeah, a little bit on a whim. Um, <laughs> I I was a collegiate athlete. And then when I finished undergrad, um, I was a personal trainer and group fitness instructor. So I really was like in the world of let's be in our bodies and let's yeah. see what our bodies can do. Um, and then when I went to grad school to be a therapist, I went like, whoosh, the other direction. <laughs> and I said, well, what can our minds do? And so I practiced as a therapist for a few years more cognitively. And when I, on a whim, found somatic experiencing, I was like, oh my gosh, like these worlds can go together. Yes. And this is the piece that has been missing from my work. And of course I want to engage bodies in this. I've been engaging my body my whole life. Um, And so it was just this natural fix. And it's funny that you brought up dancing because that was a very similar experience. My first somatic experiencing training I went to, there were people dancing on breaks. And I was like, I have found my people. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you knew right away. Yeah, that, no, I, as had I, I just had too much, I don't know what, like ego dystonic crap to deal with. (laughs) I I had some crap to let go of, but yeah, yeah. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how bifabricated or like how that's the world of the body and then like training and, and athletics and then psychology is the world of the mind. And yet you and I both know, and so does probably every reader who sits and uh, reader, every listener who sits and thinks about it, you know, all athletes, it's a mental game. And, and again, as we know in somatic psychology, that the body is absolutely a critical component in healing in a psychological sense of the word. So, you know, we can think of them separately, but they've always been all in the same, you know? Um, and I love that the world that you and I, you know, play in is coming more and more into that realization. Yeah. And I think my time in that like body world of being an athlete actually taught me to go against my body a lot. 
And so there was, again, this aspect of unlearning that I don't have to push through, that I don't have to hurt myself to be productive. Um, And that, that was like, I think a big piece that had been missing on my personal healing journey. Like I could go faster, I could be stronger. And that slowing down piece Mm -hmm. that we spoke about earlier was much more difficult for my nervous system to to yeah. find naturally. Yeah. Wow. That really is, it's just got my brain thinking so much about athletics and, or how people who are in athletics. Okay. So yes, it's the world of the body, so to speak, but that doesn't mean that we're treating the body as an intelligent being. It's like, it's, it's maybe the world of the body, but it doesn't respect the body necessarily. Yeah. And, and it's like, maybe even, you know, much like a trauma survivor, how do I get out of my body as I'm experiencing this. Um, yeah. And again, that's not a cognitive choice. That's right. just what happens sure. to protect ourselves. Um, and so I'm doing all these body things and running and working out yeah. and it is my connection with my body. Yeah. And it wasn't always. Yeah. That's such a valid point. I know when I work with a lot of people who came up in like, I'm thinking of like my clients who were gymnasts or like really competitive in, in certain sports, how often the message was push, push, push through. And then, you know, you and I, uh, we talk in like culturally, like that message gets sent from that sort of capitalist productivity kind of perspective and how there's no real place that necessarily is sending the message of no, listen to what it's saying and respond. <laughs> you know, that would be such a bizarre thing to hear from a coach or something like, Hey, come yeah. to practice tonight, unless you're tired, in which case you should stay home. <laughs> it was like, if you're two minutes late to practice, right. I'll see you at five in the morning the next day. <laughs> you will right. be punished. <laughs> right. So I say that because that's really, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's the world we live in. And I often say to clients, you know, a fish is not going to come out of the ocean dry. So like we are swimming in this and we're going to be affected by it. So even though I sit and I preach this idea of being and slowness, I on a daily basis catch myself speeding around like a chicken with my head cut off, like to this day. And so for those of you listening, none of this is about trying to do anything with perfection as much as it's create an awareness that you have other options and that there is this option to, you know, come into the body in a way that's quiet and and respectful. And um, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. And just listening, just opening that line of communication between mind and body yeah, um, can be so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got kind of a curious question that I would like uh, to end in the past two seasons. We've ended asking about particular ages, but this season, I'm just going to ask if you could go back and have a conversation with yourself at a time when you began your own healing journey, so to speak, what do you think knowing now what you know, what do you think you would tell yourself? I think a mix of two things. I think one hand, it's okay to give your per- yourself permission to slow down. Mm. And then on the other hand, um, calm doesn't always mean regulated. (gasps) Good one. Can you speak more to that? 
Sure. Um, <laughs> I, I can feel most regulated at a protest when I'm in community with folks mm. fighting for what I believe in. And that is regulation. And that is not calm. I'm screaming. Yes. I might be crying. I'm marching. Mm. Um, I'm getting and, goosebumps all down my left side, which is like my tell. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I think that's something important for folks to remember because, you know, starting in this field, my idea of regulated was, you know, like this meditating monk. Um, and it can be, mm-hmm. and it can be so much more than that. Yeah. I love that. Regu- calm doesn't always mean regulated. And if I could just add one little thing to that is for some people, they're, body's defensive strategies might imitate what the culture would say is calm and good. And that doesn't necessarily mean that's what your body's needing to respond. So you might look placid and pleasing and, and it might seem that you're calm, but that might not actually be good. And so if that is confusing, you might want to talk to a somatic psychologist or therapist around what is, what does that mean? Or you can get in touch with either of us and, and, and ask questions via any of the places you can find us online. But um, that's such a misunderstood concept. So I'm so glad you brought, brought that to this podcast. And I'm glad that that's the advice you would give. Um, At the end of the season, we, we take everybody's advice and put it together. And it's such a cool episode because it's just so diverse and so yummy. And so thank you for adding that to I'm looking to, forward to, to that. Yeah, yeah. We have one for the, uh, I think we did it last season. It was, what would you tell your 13-year-old self or something like that? And it was just so, like, this collection of wise people and, and like, years of wisdom. It was just, it was a really cool one. But, um, well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your wisdom with us and to our listeners and just sharing what you're doing in this world. Is there anything you would like to tell the audience about where they can find you, anything you've got going on in the world, anything you want to share? Sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Yeah. This is super fun. Cool. Um, and you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Megan Thomas LPC. Um, and I try and keep things as uh, up to date as possible. So anything, <laughs> <laughs> anything going on that I'm offering, um, folks will be able to find me. Thanks so much for being with us today. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you're sure not to miss a single episode. And if you have a chance, we always appreciate the reviews. That's one way we are sure to get this podcast out to those who need to hear it. So thanks again, and we'll see you soon.